0: Well, let's turn this morning to Romans chapter 8, and if you'll stand with me as we read verse 5 through 13. For those who are according to the flesh set their minds on the things of the flesh, but those who are according to the Spirit, the things of the Spirit. For the mindset on the flesh is death, but the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. Because the mindset on the flesh is hostile toward God. For it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. For those who are in the flesh cannot please God. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit, if indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. But if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the spirit is alive because of righteousness. But if the spirit of him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you, he who raised Christ from the dead will also give life to your mortal bodies through his spirit who dwells in you. So then, brethren, we are under obligation not to the flesh to live according to the flesh, for if we are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the spirit you are putting to death, the deeds of the body, you will live. Father, we thank you that you give us life. You transform our minds. You cleanse us from all sin so that we can stand before you not only righteous, Lord, but with no condemnation that your spirit you put within us so that we can follow after you. Lord, I pray this morning that what I say would be your words. There's nothing that I can offer to your people this morning, but your words are truth and life, and I pray that your spirit would illuminate our minds to your word. Help us, Lord, to understand what you're saying to the church this morning. Father, we we have nothing on our own to offer, but we praise you in our our song, we praise you in our teaching and preaching, Lord, and, and in our hearing, Lord. Help us to be hearers and doers of your word, we pray this morning. In Jesus' name, amen. So if you don't remember from last week, we were in Romans, the first four verses of Romans 8, and we saw that we are not under condemnation anymore. If we're in Christ, there is no condemnation for us. And it's not because of something we've done, it's because of what Christ did for us. And that is so important for us to understand the gospel because so many are going around saying, well, if you do this, this, and this, you'll be okay. It's not about what you do, it's about who you believe, and that transforms what you do. So if you are born again, you will be different, not the other way around. You don't do something different so that you can be born again, right? So, the requirement of the law that was put on us, Christ took on the cross so that we could be see its fulfillment in our lives, right? Through the Spirit's work in our lives, we could see that fulfillment as we walk daily. Does that mean we're... Am I talking about sinless perfection? No, I'm not. But... I am I do believe that as Christians we should experience victory on a daily basis not you know every once in a while it should be the opposite for sin sin should not have victory constantly in our lives we should be experiencing victory over sin the temptation to lie to 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 lust to whatever it may be those temptations should be losing and have lost their power if we believe what the Bible says, so Paul is talking about how it's so important that we we have the Spirit, that the law of the Spirit is in us, and so in in verse five he talks about he he starts to explain why verse four he says uh, who do not walk according to the flesh but according to the Spirit. He's going to explain why that is so important in verse five, and under this part of the text from verse 5 and verse six or 7, we see, well, actually we can go through verse 8, sorry. So 5 through 8, we can say, uh, the mind that is set on the Spirit does the things of the Spirit. Or uh, a shorter uh, point, we could say, the mind of the Spirit is life. The mind of the Spirit is life. So, verse 5, it says, for those who are according to the flesh, so he's, he's going to contrast. We're going to see whose mind do we have. Whose mind is it that is in us? So he says, for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh. It's pretty obvious, right? It it, it makes sense. And, and if we turn back to what we read last week in Galatians, at the end of Galatians, I wanted to read this again because I feel like, Paul is saying a lot of the same things here. In verse 16, "...but I say, walk by the Spirit, and you will not carry out the desire of the flesh." Do you see that that contrast? It's the same idea you see here in verse 5. For those who are according to the flesh... Sorry, I may not have told you. Galatians 5.16 "...but for those who are according to the flesh, set their minds on the things of the flesh but those who are according to the spirit the things of the spirit they they can't intermix you see what what Paul's saying verse 17 he kind of he says that in verse in Galatians 5 for the flesh sets its desires or desire against the spirit and the spirit against the flesh for these are in opposition to one another so that you may not do the things that you please. But if you are led by the Spirit, you are not under the law. And then he, he goes into the list of, of sin that are the ways of walking in the, spirit, in the flesh. But you, we see that opposition. There, there's, no, there's no such thing as a carnal Christian. I know there's this, this idea that you can be a partial Christian. You're either born again or you're not. That doesn't mean a carnal Christian is not someone that exists in the Bible. Nowhere do we see that because we either are in the Spirit or we are not. That's what Paul is saying here. We are either according to the flesh or we are according to the Spirit. There's no middle ground. Does that mean that there aren't times when we allow sin in our lives? And Yes, I'm not saying that that that's not possible because we see that in our own lives. When we listen to the flesh, the old man says, "Hey, let me down off the cross for a minute. I, I've got a good idea. Let's let's uh, let's see if we can um, and do this. You know, I, I really like that purse. Let's just go take it. Or I like um, I want to look at that. I'm just going to go look. The old man is winning. the The flesh is winning through." But when we are in the Spirit, it's a different walk. When we walk according to the Spirit, the fruit of the Spirit will be evident in those things that we do. We can't say that we live by the Spirit and walk like the world, right? And I, th- that's, I think that's the main point that we see. If our minds are on the things of God, then the things of the world will not hold sway in our lives. And it's so easy because we've been taught, even even those of us who've grown up in Christian homes, the culture around us tells us so much that if we're not careful, we begin to believe it, even though it's not biblical. Because we're, we're like fish in a fish bowl. We're covered in that water, and eventually we start to believe that the world is only as big as the fishbowl that we're in, because that's all we know. And, and, and as Christians, we can't avoid the world, right? We're in the world, but not of it. And so we, we have to understand and take our beliefs as believers, as Christians, and, and see what does the world say, and what does God say? When we're confronted in the world about something we believe, we don't go to science and, and whatever to determine if it's true. God's Word has to be the authority because when His Spirit speaks to us, we see truth. But the problem is, oftentimes we believe the world because we've been conditioned to believe the world. Whether it's uh, the latest article we read or... I mean, if you watch sports nowadays the commentators are making comments that they would have never made 10 years ago. They're becoming uh, as liberal as the media around us. They, I was listening to a friend of mine, and he, he said he heard uh, three guys talking about how great the halftime show at the Super Bowl, like these married... Men were talking about how entertaining the halftime show was on national television. That was a picture of, I mean, lewdness, immorality, and and even one guy that I used to listen to, I decided I thought I would stop listening to him. Was touting it as, "Oh, this is the greatest thing! I'm so glad that the NFL has decided to ex." show that adult entertainment is a good thing. And I'm thinking, what? But if, if we if we're being if that's all we're hearing as believers, if if all that the world around us is saying is all we hear, eventually we're going to start believing it. That's why it's so important for us as believers to know the word, to say, you know what? That I would rather turn sports off for good than to be fed that trash maybe maybe i just need to turn off at halftime or whatever i'm not talking about the, the super bowl you should turn it off at halftime every time but um but even during regular basketball games it's amazing how many times just in in the halftime section they're they're bringing in social cultural beliefs that are not christian and you're hearing it and and you're subtly starting to believe it and you know we think well, sports will just always be sp- no. The devil will use whatever means possible to get our attention, to change our minds, and it's not just sports. I mean, you can turn to any channel, uh, the movies that you watch. What what is the, What are they telling us? Every movie has a purpose. If you don't believe that, <laughs> that's a problem, because every story has a purpose. And and so for us as believers, we have to decide: Does my heart align with that purpose? It's like Megan and I; we we are coming to the place where we're like, if if this movie has um, this theme, we're going to shut it off because we don't need that to be fed into our life. While well, that, you know, they de- deserve love because somebody hurt them. No. Or if there's this kind of immoral behavior in a movie, we're not going to watch it. Because we will be trained by what we take in. And that's the same thing. If the Spirit is in us, if the Spirit is working through us, then we should desire the things of the Spirit. Right? So where is our mind at? Is our mind in the things of God or in the things of the Spirit? Because when we get to Romans chapter 12... That's the first thing Paul talks about. And I I want to read it, even though we're not there yet, just to see it starts in the mind. He says, Therefore, I urge you, brethren, by the mercies of God, to present your bodies a living and holy sacrifice acceptable acceptable to God, which is your spiritual service of worship. So, in verse 12, he's starting... To deal with how what we have seen all the way up to Romans, the end of Romans 11, the, the theology, the doctrine that Paul has taught up to that point is gonna, it's gonna take dirt. It's gonna become real. This is what happens in real life because of what you believe. And so in verse 2, two he says, Do not. This is a command. He's not saying, you know, if you don't feel like it. No big deal. He says, Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed. Another command. Be transformed by the renewing of your mind so that you may prove what the will of God is, that which is good and acceptable and perfect. We want to see the will of God in our lives? Our minds have to be renewed. Because... Even though I became a believer fairly early in my life, we're inundated. Our, our minds, just the billboards, I, I just want you to, to count the number of billboards that you see, or the ads you see on TV, or I can't remember, there's a st- statistic in a book that Megan and I read about just media and how it's just, we're, we're getting pummeled with it. There is so much information that we're being hit with that is not biblical, that's why it's so important for us as believers to know the Word of God. Because the Word of God will keep us in Him. Not, not that it does, but the Spirit that works through His Word. Illuminating our minds. Because if 90% of our day is spent getting hammered with ads that we see on the side of the road, the, even the radio, whatever it is, I mean... I even have a hard time listening to some Christian radio too. You're like this is like this is like Hallmark uh romance uh and I have to be nice because that's what Megan and I sometimes watch so uh but <laughs> uh cuz you can't find anything without vulgarity in it hardly anymore. But anyways, uh but the what what is passed off as Christian belief is actually just be kind to others and love everybody. Right? And, and so we have to be in the Word because everything that we are taking in every day is telling us, don't believe it. Don't believe God's Word. And it's, it's fighting against God's work in our lives. So as believers, we have to be careful. Where are our minds? What, what is in control there? Is our mind, verse six, set on the flesh? Because if it is, in verse six, he says it's death. The mind set on the flesh is death. In contrast, the mind set on the spirit is life and peace. See the difference. If if all we're thinking about every day is, and, and let me be clear. It can be even our business, our our work. If that's all that we think about all day long, and we're never thinking about what God is doing in our lives, and and thinking about, I think this is why it's important for us to meditate on the Word daily, throughout the day. To pray in the Spirit in those moments. To to be working in the Spirit, to, to... to do our job well, but doing it with our mindset on God and His glory and His Spirit in us. Because when we aren't thinking on the things of the Spirit, but only on the things of the flesh, there's no life. Life just becomes drab and empty. There's no peace. And I can say, I mean, this week I've had some difficult things with work and it's been hard to have peace because I have a hard time leaving those things with the Lord and, and truly putting my mind on the things of the Spirit. Being drawn away by issues and, and difficulties. So, so why, why is it that the mindset on the flesh is death, and but the mind that's set on the Life is spirit. Is life and peace? Verse seven explains because the reason it leads to death is the mind set on the flesh is hostile toward God. It is hostile. It is an enemy of God. It's not. There's, it's not like uh, semi-friendly. You know, a mind that is set on the flesh is not Switzerland. If that makes sense. They are not neutral. They are always the enemy of God. Period. Why? Because, verse 7, the middle of it, for it does not subject itself to the law of God, for it is not even able to do so. So our, a mind that is set on the flesh is constantly Rebelling against God. So we have to subject our minds to God's word, God's law, through the power of His Spirit. Because when a mind is set against God, it says there at the end, for it is not even able to do so. The word able here is the same word we get for dynamite. We all have heard the dunamis word, that's the word. It is not even, it doesn't, it is powerless to subject itself to God. God, through his spirit, must do a work in our hearts to subject our hearts, our minds, to God. And so if, if you are sensing in your life that sin is having victory that it shouldn't be having, we need to cry out to God, Lord, bring your spirit and show. My mind who is Lord. Show my mind who is God and transform me by Your Spirit. Because I know that this isn't right. I know that I should be subjecting my mind and setting my mind on the things of the Spirit, but Lord, I'm not. And since... We're hostile toward God in our minds. We're we're rebelling against God, actively rebelling. That's the idea. And unable, powerless to follow Him. Verse 8, it says, And those who are in the flesh cannot please God. So, a mindset on the Spirit, in contrast to that, would then be a a mind that is accepting, loving, loving, that's the opposite of hostile, right? A mind that, it, that loves the Lord, loves everything to do with the Lord in the Spirit. And willingly submits to God. A mind that says, you know what? The world is saying this. It seems reasonable. It seems rational. It seems logical. But God... Your word doesn't say that. Your word speaks against that. And so, Lord, I don't care what the world says, but your word will be the authority for me. I will subject myself to your law, to your teachings. Because you have changed me, you've transformed me, and I want to please you. That's the difference. It doesn't mean that Christians can't be reasonable and rational and logical. But the question is, does our logic and reason have to always align with the world? No. Just because the world says it, doesn't, our logic and reason must look to the Bible first and say, Lord, what the world is saying does not line up with Your Word. And until You show me otherwise, I am going to believe Your Word to be true in this way. And unless I misunderstand what I'm reading right now, I am going to subject my mind, its thoughts, its rations, to your Word. That's a mind that is set on the Spirit. So is your mind set on the Spirit? Are you? Is your mind enjoying life and peace? If not, then we should be asking God... Help me, Lord, to subject my mind to your Spirit. Because He's the only one that can transform our minds, right? Just in case, let's turn back to verse 12. Do not be conformed to this world, but be transformed by the renewing of your mind. Who renews us? Is it us? No. It's the Holy Spirit. And the Holy Spirit uses God's Word. Absolutely. Absolutely. There is a a responsibility for us as believers to be faithful in what we know to do. But we're not expecting that by just reading the Bible, we're going to transform our minds. That's the work of the Spirit in illuminating God's Word to us, in speaking to us as we live our daily lives. We need the Spirit to transform our minds. Verse 9 through 11, we see there, we have a contrast. So first we have the mindset on the Spirit is life and peace. And now we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us, makes us alive. So the mind, the spirit. When the spirit of God dwells in us, we had we are alive. Verse nine. We've seen this contrast. However, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit. Who's he talking to? Believers. He's not talking to the world. He's talking to believers. He's talking to the church in Rome. These Roman believers who are. If you think about it, Rome was a cosmopolitan city. Just imagine New York City or Chicago or or um, London or, or Paris or just think of a large city in the world. Except this was the most powerful, most godless society in the world at the time. So, there, imagine what they're thinking. Man, we're bombarded by the homosexuality at that time. We're, we're bombarded by um, the, the violence of the Colosseum and all the, the different uh, demonic stuff going on there. The, the lewdness, the immoral practice. I mean, they had temple prostitutes in Rome. We, we look at our time now and think, you know, this was the absolute worst. And I do believe things are getting worse. But it, that doesn't mean that Rome was not a wicked, unrighteous, pagan city. It was. And so when, when we see, I, I, I guarantee you when the believers read these verses, they're like, man, it's so hard to keep our minds on the things of the Spirit. We need the Lord. We need His Spirit with us. So when he says in verse 9, you are not in the flesh, but in the Spirit... What joy they have, I'm sure. So is, but then he gives a, a, a condition, right? We see that here in the second part of this verse. If, so you are in the flesh, you are not in the flesh, but in the spirit, if, this is the question, indeed the Spirit of God dwells in you. You see that? It is only when we have the Spirit of God dwelling in us that we are not in the flesh. We're not living according to the flesh. If the Spirit of God is not in us, then it seems here, right, from what he's saying, that we are in the flesh. And he goes even further, but if anyone does not have the Spirit of Christ, he does not belong to him. Do you see that there? He, he's doubling down. He's making sure we don't misunderstand Him. If we do not have the Spirit of Christ, we do not belong to Him. And if we don't belong to Him, we're in the flesh. And I know some would say, well, this just doesn't make sense. This, What about the baptism of the Holy Spirit? Right? I believe that there is a sense in which we are indwelt by the Spirit, but the fullness of the Spirit does not come in our lives. Because this verse is clearly saying that we either have... There's only two options here. We either say that somebody has to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be born again, right? It seems like from this verse. Or... That there is a sense in which when we are born again, we are given the Spirit, the Spirit dwells in us, but that the fullness of the Spirit that we see in the book of Acts is something that we have to, that we ask for, that we cry out for. And that's where where I land because I believe, I I see a, a clear emphasis in the book of Acts that speaking in tongues is the evidence of the baptism of the Holy Spirit. So... Um, I know there are some that are outside of this group who would say differently. They would say, well, you're filled with the Spirit the moment that you confess Christ as your Savior. But that's not. if you look, if you look at the book of Acts, there's only one time that the baptism of the Holy Spirit comes immediately upon faith in Christ. And that is in the household of Cornelius. And God did that. If you look at the evidence around it, the only reason God did that is so that Peter and the rest of the apostles would say, Oh, if God gave the Spirit to them, then they must. Then the this gospel must go out to the Gentiles. And I would recommend, read the book of Acts, because I, I don't want you to believe something because I said it. Read the book of Acts. Read through it and and see when the Spirit comes, what are primary evidences that happen? Because I, I know plenty of people, and I know this isn't popular among some people, I know plenty of people that I go to school with that are faithful Christians. And there's no way that you can say that they're not in Christ. So I, I have a hard time taking this verse, 10, 9 here, to say that you have to be baptized in the Holy Spirit to be a Christian. But I do believe, if you look at what the Spirit promises, the express power over sin, this is something you see constantly with people who have been baptized in the Holy Spirit, they experience a, a, a more... Um, What's the word? I think, yeah. A greater victory over sin. They're, they're able, the Spirit is working in them and they experience victory over sin like they've never experienced before. And so, you can take 9 and 10 as, as I'm saying it, or, or verse 9, but I would, I would highly recommend anytime there's an issue like this, don't take my word for it. I know where I stand because i've read i 've really searched because i at southern seminary i'm not uh i'm not in the majority just in case <laughs> you know I was shocked when one of my classes, the professor actually believed that the gifts are for today, and we had a discussion I think I mentioned this a long time ago but what in the class, we had a discussion about whether the gifts were for today or not. And when we ended that class, more than half the class had come to the side of believing that the gifts are for today. Now, would they all say that they're for them? Not necessarily, unfortunately. But they can't, they can't look at Scripture and say they're not for today. But they can't explain why they don't experience them in their own churches. So, And we have to say the same thing. If we believe the gifts are for today, we should be seeing them work in this church. Prophecy, speaking in tongues, what else? Interpretation of tongues, healing. There, there's, there's plenty of uh, a list there, but all that to say, it may not be popular what I just said, but I, I really have a hard time reading verse 9 and coming to the conclusion that somebody is is not a believer if they haven't been filled with the holy spirit and the in the baptism of the holy spirit because the spirit of christ and the holy spirit are the same there's there's no difference i think that the filling of the spirit is what we would consider the baptism of the holy spirit so i would highly recommend you read the book of acts because if if you understand and read the book of Acts and see the pattern that is there, you'll see that that the, the baptism is always marked with speaking in tongues. Anyways, that's a side note because I know there's controversy over this verse, so I don't want you to be surprised if somebody brings this up to you. Verse 10, If Christ is in you, Though the body is dead because of sin, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. It's so interesting, when Paul starts talking about us being in Christ and His Spirit being within us, he, he's constantly using a conditional clause. He says, always if. Right? He says, if Christ is in you. That's the important thing. If He's in you, this is going to be true. If not, then the opposite is true. So he says... If Christ is in you, though the body is dead because of sin, so, though the body is dead because of sin, this is whether or not Christ is in you, is what he's saying, essentially. Yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. So, I feel like the middle section of verse 10 is the Apostle Paul just kind of putting parentheses around it, right? He's saying you know though the body is dead because of sin because essentially our bodies are dead we are daily dying maybe maybe we should start doing days closer to our eternal home or well it's all eternal it's the question is is it with god or with with in hell there's maybe we should be counting that way we don't know when our our day will end but all that to say Our bodies are dying every day. That's why we experience the things that we experience. That's why the world is the way it is. So though our bodies are are dying because of sin, yet, this is on the if, if Christ is in you, yet the Spirit is alive because of righteousness. You see the contrast? Our bodies are dying because of our sin, because of original sin, because of our nature, the sin that is in our life. But our spirit, the Spirit of God, is alive because of righteousness. Whose righteousness? The righteousness of Christ in us. He transforms us and He gives us life. We're alive. If the Spirit of Christ is in us, we are alive. If we feel dead this morning, maybe I'm thinking we should sing a little. I've got a couple songs that I'd like to sing after and experience, are we alive or not? Because if we're dead, then we need life. We need to cry out for the Spirit in our lives. Because if the Spirit is not in our lives, we're dead. I said this last week, there are plenty of cathedrals in Germany, I mean beautiful cathedrals in Europe. And one just burned down uh, Notre Dame in Paris. Beautiful cathedrals, but guess what? When, the, when the, the, the cathedral in Notre Dame burnt down, it was a sign of what's going on in Paris, in France. It, it's interesting. The government wants to fix the building, but it doesn't fix the problem. The church used to be a sign of vitality in God, but as we can see, in Europe, the church is dead because no one wants Christ anymore. Because men are dead to God. We see that contrast in verse 11. But if the Spirit of Him, who's Him? The Spirit of Him who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Who's Him? God the Father. Right? The Spirit of Him, God the Father. The Spirit of God who raised Jesus from the dead dwells in you. Now, this is a powerful message here. He who raised Christ from the dead dwells will also give life to your mortal bodies through His Spirit who dwells in you. If you doubt that God can transform your life, transform your body, and transform your spirit, then, and, then you, ha- you can't believe verse 11. Because Christ was raised from the dead by the Spirit of God. God. From the dead. Physical death. Jesus wasn't sleeping in the grave. He was dead. If that spirit is in us, we should experience life. If we aren't experiencing life, maybe we're still dead. Maybe we need to come out of the grave. But God can do that. If you're not experiencing life in your Christian walk, maybe you're not even on the walk yet. Or maybe you've experienced life and life has caught up to you. You've experienced life in the spirit, but the life of this world has dragged you down and and drawn you away, and God is calling you back. Remember the life you had? Remember the walk you used to enjoy? The love that God showed you? The the peace and joy that you had when you came to me the first time? That first love that you had for me? Come back. I raise you from the dead. I can give you life. So, does His Spirit dwell in you? Does He dwell in me? Because if he does, we should be experiencing life, resurrection life, not just normal life, resurrected, newborn Christian life. And this life should be so hopeful for us that when we are out in the world, the world can't, they look at you like, what is wrong with that person? Why? Because you have joy and it's raining outside and it's almost freezing or the person in front of you at the checkout has been talking to the clerk for half an hour. That, I'm sure that never happens. Or you pull into the lumber yard and there's 20 trucks in there, and you know you're going to spend half the day waiting to pay and pick up your materials. Uh, that's a personal experience. <laughs> I'm sure none of you have had that happen. Uh, But we should be experiencing life in such a way, and I'm not talking as someone who has totally got this, okay? I am seeing this in my own life, and, and in this message, I need His Spirit to give me life. I want the world to ask me, why in the world are you hopeful? What is wrong with you? It's not what's wrong with me what God did for me and what God has changed me from. Because if we forget that we were dead in the grave and that Christ raised us from the dead, it's easy to forget the hope that we have, isn't it? It's, for, it's easy to forget that He gave us His Spirit. Those, who've, those of us who have been filled with the Spirit to, to know that, joy and peace, the fullness of the Spirit, maybe this church needs to cry out, Lord, fill us again with Your Spirit. We want to be a church that transforms the world around us. Not because the world is going to be completely transformed. But we should be making a difference in the kingdom of God. Spiritually speaking, we should see transformation in the lives of people that we encounter every day, whether it's the person in front of us at the checkout who seems to have nothing else to do, (laughs) or maybe it's the clerk who's like, man, I wish this person would stop talking to me, and you're behind them just so nice and patient and kind, So should we be living as though we're dead? No. If the Spirit of God dwells in you, you should be alive from the dead, not the other way around. So then, verse 12, if you're in the Spirit, if you are indeed in spirit, if Christ is in you, so then, brethren, we, under, are under, we are under obligation not to the flesh, to live according to the flesh. We don't owe the flesh anything. You see that? That's what the, the devil wants you to believe. Well, you owe it. No. We don't owe the flesh anything. For if you are living according to the flesh, you must die. But if by the Spirit you are putting to death the deeds of the body, you will live. Are we putting to death the deeds of the body? Are we living according to the flesh? That's the question I leave you with today. Are are we going to keep living for the flesh Are there things in our life that we see that we're giving in to the flesh and not setting our minds on the things of the Spirit? Crying out to God, Why do I want this? Transform my mind. Transform my heart, Lord, so that I want You and Your ways. Paul also talks kind of about this in 1 Corinthians chapter 2, if you want to turn there. And Paul starts, he's talking about his preaching, the, the way that he preaches. That he's, he's preaching not with persuasive words of wisdom, but in the demonstration of the Spirit and of power. Why? So that your faith would not rest on the wisdom of men, but on the power of God. In verse 6 he says, Yet we do not speak wisdom among those who are mature. A wisdom, however, not of this age, nor of the rulers of this age who are passing away. The wisdom that I'm talking about is not of this world. But we speak God's wisdom in a mystery. The hidden wisdom which God predestined before the ages to our glory. The wisdom which none of the rulers of this age have, has understood. For if they had understood it, they would not have crucified the Lord of glory. You see that? If they had understood, Christ would not have been crucified if it could be understood by the rulers of this world. But as it is written, Things which eye has not seen and ear has not heard, and which have not entered the heart of man, all that God has prepared for those who love Him. For to us God revealed them through the Spirit. For the Spirit searches all things, even the depths of God. And now he's going to explain that. I just reading this this morning again. For who among men knows the thoughts of a man except the spirit of the man which is in him? Okay? Do we get that? Our spirit knows us better then we know ourselves, honestly. Sometimes we have to wonder, why did I do that? So, verse 11, even so the thoughts of God no one knows except the Spirit of God. What's he saying? You want to know about God? You need His Spirit in your life. You need to be living in the Spirit because the Spirit knows God intimately. He can... Reveal God to us in ways that we could never understand on our own. Why? He says, Now we have, not, we have received not the Spirit of the world, again, seeing this contrast, but the Spirit who is from God, so that we may know the things freely given to us by God. The Spirit makes known to us what God has given us. See See that? "...which things we also speak, not in words taught by human wisdom, but in those taught by the Spirit, combining spiritual thoughts with spiritual words." You see that? The Spirit gives the words that we need. The Spirit gives us the thoughts and the words that we need to understand God. The Spirit speaks to us like no one else can. The natural man does not accept the things of the Spirit of God, for they are foolishness to him, and he cannot understand them because they are spiritually appraised. But he who is spiritual appraises all things, yet he himself is appraised by no one. For who has known the mind of the Lord that he will instruct him? But we have the mind of Christ. Why? Because the Spirit is transforming Is the Spirit transforming our mind and our hearts? Does the Spirit dwell in us? If we aren't experiencing life, and we've never truly experienced new life by the Spirit, then we need to ask ourselves this morning, am I a believer? And if we have, in the past, experienced that joy and exuberance, I'm not just saying young exuberance, because... There's a, there's a part of being young that gives you exuberance, right? No one here will agree with that, but um, <laughs> I can remember that I could go and, for example, physically speaking, I could go and play basketball for like five hours when I was a teenager or early 20s. And now if I go and do that for five hours, I'm not going to be able to work the next day. Because I don't have the energy and my bones don't work the same. I'm dying physically speaking, you know? And so I'm not talking about that. I'm talking about when the Spirit moves in our lives, when we are being resurrected physically. I have seen people who are older than me become believers and they're as exuberant as the 20-year-old. Age doesn't Change the exuberance we should have in Christ, the, the life that we should be experiencing, the resurrection life. So, as believers, if you're not a believer, ask the Lord to transform your heart. And if you are a believer this morning, ask the, the Lord to help you set your mind on the things of Him. And one way we do that is through His Spirit every morning. Meditate on a verse when you're, just memorize a quick verse or something every morning, and as you're going throughout your day, just think about that verse. You know, we all have, some of us have more time in the morning. Maybe you can really just sit down and, I have a hard time, I'm not a morning person. I'll admit. I'm the person who stays up till midnight and gets up, wants to get up at uh, much later than 8, but typically have to get up before 8, but... I do better at night. So, but all that to say, if our mornings start with Facebook or uh, Twitter or ESPN.com or CBS.com or whatever, I forgot there's this thing called TV too, Um, (laughs) news, uh, CNN or Fox or, I'm telling you, I don't care either one of those two, if you start out with Fox or CNN in the morning, you're going to have a hard time setting your your mind on the things of the Spirit. Because both of those people are argumentative. I mean, I don't care what their stance is. I may agree with it, but their attitude is not right. Anyways, side note. But all that to say, we should be looking at our lives and saying, Lord, where, how do I show that my mind is set on you? What are the, the physical things that I'm doing every day to set my mind on you. And then if if you notice that, Lord, show me how I can change that. Give me grace, strength to do that. Because we all need to be transformed. Some of us in some ways and some in others. Some of us may have it good. I mean, we're good at getting the word every day. But we may have other issues later on in the day. So let's... Let's cry out to the Lord to open our, our eyes to where our minds are not set on the Spirit. And then, ask Him to fill us afresh with His Spirit. Let's pray. Father, we need You. We're so weak without You. We are nothing without Your Spirit within us. So, Lord, I pray that you would transform us. Father, that your Spirit would work in our hearts, our minds. Transform us, Lord. Renew our minds. Help us, Lord, to know how to renew our minds, whether it's daily habits that need to change and just ways that we think even, Lord. I just pray that, You would help us individually and as a church to set our minds on the things of God. And Lord, fill us, each and every one of us, Lord, with your Spirit in a way. Lord, those here that haven't been filled with your Spirit, who haven't experienced the baptism of your Spirit, I just ask that you would put a hunger and thirst in them for that. And those who have, I just pray, Lord, that you would fill us afresh, just like you did in the book of Acts. Fill us afresh with your Spirit so that, Lord, we are experiencing your presence daily. Give us a love for you, we pray. A delight in your presence, we pray. In Jesus' name, amen.